Talk Live. I'm your host, Jeff Deverter. Now here at Cloud Talk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help you improve your business and those around you. Now this recording is from our Cloud Talk Live event, which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to come and watch us there and join the conversation live with us in real time. Your participation helps drive the conversation. Now, let's get on with today's show. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Cloud Talk Live. I'm so glad that you are here today. And uh, hey, welcome back to another week. We, uh, hey, we here in the U.S. were off yesterday, so this is day one for us. But, uh, but off we go. Another week, another Cloud Talk Live. Guys, it's the same old story around here. I want you to welcome, uh, I want to welcome you here. I want you to introduce yourselves. And, uh, and the summer road trip continues. We'll get into that here shortly. But uh, introduce yourselves in the comments below. We'd love to know who we have here in the room with us today all around the world. My guest is from so, so, so far away. And, uh, and uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you have any questions, you have any comments, you have an idea for us, you want to correct us, uh, send me a note at solve at rackspace.com. Easiest way to get a hold of us over here. Fantastic. Well, folks, uh, as you know, this is all part of our thought leadership uh, here at Rackspace called Solve. And we have a podcast that's part of all this. This is the live version of the podcast. And this week's podcast is, uh, I'm having a chat with Mr. Josh Pruitt right over there. And he is the chief product officer at Rackspace. We do some really interesting research every quarter. And what's happening inside of Compute is, uh, hey, Germany, glad you're here. Uh, is super interesting. You can find, you can listen to that in our findings as long as you're subscribed to the podcast. So you can find Cloud Talk anywhere where podcasts are found. Well, I mentioned already that this is all part of uh, that we're doing our, our summer road trip. And uh, and our road trip last week we were in the Netherlands, Amsterdam. Can you believe that? And uh, and then this week though, it's even farther. This week we're in Singapore. Let's check that out. Oh, is it going to go forward? Come on, baby. You can do it. There we go. So I mentioned before, it is our farthest away trip that we've taken so far. 13 hours into the future to have Shotank Shiel on with us today. And... Um, so excited that he's here. He is part of this team that that we actually acquired into Rackspace earlier this year, and uh, and um, and brought with it some amazing talent. So what we wanted to do was head on down to Singapore or over to Singapore, I guess from from Texas, and uh, and learn what's happening specifically in data and cloud transformation in that part of the world. But first, let's introduce a few folks. We got Christian here from Texas. Always glad to have Texas here. Toronto's here. Harish is here. We've got uh, Javed, who's a Linux administrator in India. Very cool. Steve from Florida, which I love that we've got some Florida here. Wish I was going on vacation to Florida this year, but I'm not. Uh, and of course, Germany and then more from India. So everyone, welcome. Continue to introduce yourselves, folks. It's so awesome. We've got Washington Navarro here from San Antonio. Excellent. Ed, uh, Edward from oh, San Antonio is representing today. I love that. Well, hey. 
as excited as I am to have everyone here, I'm even more excited to introduce you just to Shwetank Shiel. I had his picture up on the screen. Let's look at him again real quick. He is the director of data services at Rackspace. He's also the co-founder of the company that Rackspace acquired called Just Analytics. So with that, Daniel, let's go ahead and bring up Shwetank to the stage. Shwetank, good evening, good morning, whatever part of the day it is for you, of course. Good morning, Jeff. A pleasure to be here. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here. So you came to us through the Just Analytics acquisition. So tell us a little bit about Just Analytics for a second. Sure. Uh, you know, we try to keep things simple. We named ourselves Just Analytics because the company focused only on doing data and analytics on cloud services. Uh, there were three of us who started it together. The focus was how do we allow customers to do more with data and how do we enable them to do that? We've been doing data since before it became cool. It's become a much bigger buzzword in the last couple of years. We've been doing it, has become white doing that for the last 10 to 15 years now, but excited to be part of the Rackspace family. Ah, so glad that you are here. In fact, we've got somebody from Singapore. We are Kalish is here. I'm not sure uh, if you know him, but hey, he's here from, from Singapore. So go ahead. What was that? Uh, so I was just thanking Kalish for staying up late. Yes, indeed. So, so uh, in this summer road trip series, we're going to all sorts of different locations around the globe. So as I mentioned before, the last visit was in Amsterdam, learning about what's happening in cloud transformation in their region. They had done some interesting research, so we talked about that. Now today, of course, over in Singapore, we're here to talk about what's happening in cloud transformation and specifically data in your region. We'll look at things that may be unique to your world, but also there's a I think we're going to find a lot of commonalities. In fact, we were talking just before we started about how you're seeing some trends uh, with folks wanting to get into um, as they look at data literacy in their region, but also security being as important to them as that. Why don't you unpack that for, for a second? In fact, first, define data literacy. Not everybody follows that term. Sure, sure. And I, I, I think that's a, that's a common point that we're seeing across the region. So data literacy uh, essentially is the ability for non-technical users to be able to make use of data. And that can be in the form of you know, spreadsheets, it can be in the form of reports, some of the more advanced users are able to do machine learning, but it's essentially the ability to be able to pick apart data and actually derive value or insights from it. And uh, you know, what we're seeing is, uh, obviously it's sort of there, there, there are different customers who are at different levels in the maturity scale, but customers who've been doing BI traditionally are now moving past this uh, project-based approach where you know, they engage folks to build up specific dashboards or specific data products. And rather what they're trying to get to is the ability for internal business users to yeah. derive those insights on their own. And if you think about it, that actually has a couple of different aspects associated with it. Mm -hmm. One is, entire avenue of data governance and you know governance is a broad ranging term and it does and it is that on purpose because it covers things like you know being able to discover data that exists in the organization have some standard structures around both security as well as uh, capability build up and you know competency training within the org but then also things around process processes around how and where you can play with data what data you have access to what would be the RACI and the life cycle for defining new 
data products. So it's quite interesting because yeah. these sets of customers are really focused on increasing both the number of users playing with data and increasing the output in terms of data products, whether those are reports, models, et cetera, that are getting built on an ongoing basis, rather than focusing on building out a particular dashboard or a particular machine learning model, since they recognize that that's going to be sort of ad hoc at best, uh, and it's not going to give them the velocity. Yeah, so Greg, I love that. I love that folks are getting more interested in that aspect of it because it is that next evolution. Like you said, it's not just you know an, an analytics person making you know working through a backlog of creating dashboards, but it's actual users creating actual value out of governed and curated data. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 that sort of brings us to the other side of it, which is you know the security that that's coming yes. into play. Because for users and leaders to trust platforms, security becomes key. And that's both security around how data is accessible, how new insights are shared, how you set up the entire platform, uh, and, and, and things like that. So as we engage with customers, you know, I was in Australia recently and I was talking to some, some ISVs who are setting up products their own customers. And you know, the, the ability to define a security posture which allows people to be able to play with data, but then also be able to apply the standard controls about where it can go, et cetera, is becoming quite interesting and quite key to that uh, two-sided conversation. It really is. And, and before we get into more on security, just a few more hellos to people who are here. we got Jay Cooper who's here. Todd's here. Hey, Todd, we're traveling, traveling with you next week to where are we going? Cleveland. Uh, Jay Cooper's here from Cynet. Phil is here. Phil, I haven't seen you in forever, so glad that you have made it back. Um, so when you talk about security and it's you know, you're talking about it from the context of making sure that the right controls are in place, that folks can access the data they should be able to get to. There's a lot to unpack when you say a sentence like that, but it's also more welcome in the organization. You know, security used to be that group that nobody wanted to talk to and they were segregated from the process. They were that last gate in any development or data project that they would go in and bless and say, yes, you can do the thing. But more and more security is baked into the entire process. They're a team member and not, not a pariah or somebody to be, to be concerned about, which is a wonderful thing for business because what it's doing then is it's taking security from a, uh, from a hey, it's a thing I have to go do to uh, being actually a strategic differentiator. Why don't you unpack that a little bit? Uh, absolutely, absolutely, Jeff. And maybe I'll tie that back to the fact about why cloud is becoming key. Because you know, in the COVID world, security was a gatekeeper. It was about things yeah. that you cannot do, about where you have to come in, use which laptop, on which network to be able to access. But as we move to the cloud to give folks flexibility, uh, and also sort of obviously driven through by COVID, security has become embedded, right? It is yeah. no longer a choice about whether you're going to only allow people to use uh, you know, data from a particular place or use a particular tooling. You have to have sort of this hybrid approach. You have to have a cloud native, cloud ready approach. And that really is where you're absolutely right. Security has become integral. So as opposed to it being sort of a checkpoint that could happen later on in terms of have you met security preferences, it's more of an agile process when defining the platform. So when we're defining, for example, how people should get access to data, what are you know some of the, the what are the capabilities? You know, there's this new uh, aspect instead of role levels, role based security or yes. role based. Uh, 
you know, we've got attribute-based security. What are the attributes about you, where you're accessing from? The same person may be able to access different data based on where they're accessing things from. So it's become a lot more iterative. It's become really part of the process. And in a sense, you know, when we are sort of standing up teams uh, to help customers with this, it is becoming an integrated team. It's a team which is doing infra, which is allowing customers to set up sort of these environments on the fly. The data teams obviously helping customers with how to become more data literate and yeah. the security coming together with that to ensure that every aspect of what gets rolled out has flexibility tied into security. That's really a great way to describe it. And what you're describing also is that that perfect state, that nirvana state, that company who, whether they're a digital native or whether they are a company who um, has just really gotten it and gotten their, their act together and is utilizing this. But you mentioned in uh, earlier also as we were chatting that it's helping, what it's not helping, what it's doing is it's also creating a big gulf between companies in your region who are doing this and companies who are not doing this. What are some of the you know, things causing that golf, but then also the, the results of that golf? So you're absolutely right. So you know, we are seeing this gap between, you know, let's say the digital natives or retail or you know, fintech companies, which, are, which have tech as their core, as their DNA, who understand that you have to approach this in an agile manner yeah. versus, let's say, you know, some of the more standard uh, traditional enterprises who are used to having specific outcomes based on specific budgets. So the, 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 the gap that's opening up is that when you are trying to approach something like this, the, the digital natives or sort of these more, the more mature customers are focusing on velocity. Because if you think about, you know, how do I iterate through uh, opening up my platform in a secure manner to users across the region? How do I enable people to become more data literate so they can bring out more data products versus sort of the standard delivery of you know, uh, I, I'm worried about security. I don't understand this. So it becomes sort of, uh, you know, a, a two, two-sided approach for these more traditional enterprises. We're trying to help them define and understand what a roadmap would look like. But uh, with velocity comes that difference. So the, the, the digital natives are doing multiple iterations while others are sort of trying to figure out how uh, they should be setting up this platform, and that sort of setting up, uh, uh, you know, this big gap between what capabilities even average business users in a fintech firm or in retail FMCG have versus those in, let's say, an insurance company are able to do. Yeah. So, folks, if you're you're still sticking with us here. Make a comment down below. I'd love for you to know just your assessment. This isn't anything scientific. Would you say that your organization totally gets data and uh, and is and is leveraging it for all it's worth, or are there still some opportunities? Are you somewhere in between? Find a simple way just to say that. I'd love to just to get a in a, a, a impromptu poll, very non scientific. Just curious what the audience has to say. Um, but. Uh, um, Shwetank, you mentioned you know velocity uh, of the business, velocity in all sorts of different areas, as being one of the outputs of of utilizing the data, and um, and so what I'm wondering is is that one of the things that's helping create uh, or drive uh, use data as a tool to create a strategic uh, you know competitive differentiator between their organization and their competitors, their peers in in your region. Uh, it, it, it is, uh, Jeff, and you know what we're what what I've seen is sort of organizations are starting to differentiate between the two parts of analytics. So there's okay. one which is 
the platform. So it's the non-functional, right? Which is just about uh, what technology do I use? Do I use EMR? Do I use Glue, for example? Uh, and how do I set that up? Uh, and that's something where you know organizations are fairly happy to go out and hire the experts uh, to come in and define that, build it, and run it. And then the yeah. other side of the core analytics capabilities, which is meant to be business-led. And that really is where the differentiator comes in because you can't buy that because if you buy that, you'll be as good as your best competitor. So you have to build that internally. But the challenge there is that given the fact that everybody is looking at uh, you know, both automation and data, there is, uh, you know, the, the pool of people available is obviously limiting there. And, and, you know, there are only so many people out there. It's exactly. a shallow pool. It is a shallow pool and everybody's trying to dip and cross dip into that pool. So, uh, you know, there's, there, there is a lot of uh, demand or, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, a lot of help the customers are looking for to help us relieve that pressure, even if it's sort of on a short term elastic basis, being able to sort of, you know, supplement and provide analysts who can help them while they build up that capability in-house in or internally. Well, so thank you. you. You mentioned something here that really caught my attention. You know, you mentioned that everybody's, you know, they're, it's the shallow pool. They're looking for more help. But it's also not the kind of thing that you can completely outsource because as opposed to like, you know, going to an outsource company and say, build me this. Here's the requirements. Make me a tool. Build me this application. In a data construct, it, you, you need the folks smart with the data, both from a platform perspective as well as a, a pipeline and engineering perspective. But then also there's this pairing with what matters to the business and what, and the people who know that best are the people in the business. So you know, it's, it's this pairing that has to exist in, in, um, in a data project. And it's also the area of greatest, I believe, greatest opportunity to up-level somebody who had just been a business-oriented person to now have these data skills to, to bring greater value to their organization. Absolutely, Jeff. And that's where sort of we come back around to the data literacy side of things. Yes. You can start to enable, we've got the cloud tooling, which makes it easier because there are more and more tooling aimed at the citizen data scientist or the citizen analyst to allow them to do more. The data literacy allows them to think about and understand some of the concepts which will allow them to play around with a, a higher data set. And then sort of, you know, offerings that we would have, things like Elastic Engineering, which can pair with the internal in-house teams are the ones that sort of really allow them to, to scale up. But you're absolutely right. It is it, it, the, the folks who are able to prioritize or, you know, in the agile world, define the backlog or define the user stories have to be folks who understand yeah. the business and the data. Okay, last question to dig into then is when we think about, um, hey, Kalish, glad you're here. So when we think about doing a data project, do you recommend, and, and there's never a one size fits all, so unpack this however you want to. Do you recommend that, that they use the data tools in their cloud of choice, or would you recommend that they maybe choose a cloud that has the right tool and get the data there to, to make that happen? So we're, we're talking about multi-cloud, obviously, here. So that, that's a great question, Jeff, because, you know, one of the uh, one of the methodologies which is becoming more mainstream now is this concept of having a data mesh. So mm -hmm. our seeing is that, you know, within a particular data product or a particular team, they would centralize on a particular cloud that they have either competency on or where the cloud provider has higher level constructs in pre-built ML models and stuff, which would be helpful. But on an organization-wide going intently multi-cloud by being able to have a mesh where different data products by different teams run on different clouds is something that we're 
to see people do more intently or on purpose as opposed to accidentally. Accidentally. We saw a lot of accidental in the past. Now, you do have to be relatively careful here because there are challenges. I love how you say they're doing it on purpose, which means thoughtfully, because when you start moving large chunks of data from one cloud to another, you know, those egress fees can get interesting. So so design well uh, in those constructs. Absolutely. It, it, it has to be well thought out. And that's where sort of the, the governance and the structural pieces of the cloud and working with someone who understands what happens when you're doing multi-cloud and the challenges that come together with that uh, in, in, from a design perspective become very key. Yeah. Well, Shotank, I really do appreciate you staying up late with us. Thank you for letting us shine a little light in the Singapore region and the ABJ region of what's happening in data. And, uh, and I was hoping we were going to find something that was completely unique, but you know what? I think data problems are just data problems the world over. Um, you know, in your estimation, last question, we have like a minute. Is there something you think that's unique that's happening in your region that maybe is different than the rest of the world? I think the only the only difference that I have seen between European and American customers and those in Asia is that you know because of the fact that European and Asian customers are on their third generation data platforms, there's a lot more technical debt even within the cloud, whereas customers within Asia are much new. I mean, they're on their first or second generation data platforms, so there isn't as much previous technical debt to pay down, which is a maturity uh, difference between them. But otherwise, the data problems are the same. It's just that the tech that we're moving up, moving from uh, is, 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 is different. Got it. All right, Shwetank, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, you can actually go and enjoy the rest of your day or just go to sleep. Uh, and um, so thanks again for staying up late with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Wasn't that awesome? Here live from Singapore, what's going on in data? Again, you know, we do hope that we're going to hear something special and unique that's that's different. We caught some of that at the end. But as you listen to the data conversation, you know, were you, were you just kind of going, yep, yep, that sounds, sounds like my region. Well, uh, all right. So next week, let's give a little pitch for next week. We are having a sim, uh, the, the, the conversation continues as we go around the world. The road trip continues. We are going to India next week to talk again a little bit about data. Thanks, Todd. And uh, and I have an amazing uh, guest. She is, her name is Pooja. She is an amazing data scientist and data engineer. You're going to love that conversation. Obviously, a little bit data themed around here lately. But what doesn't run on data anyway? All right. With that. Let us continue. So if you want to hear this or any of the other content that we have here at Rackspace, just head over to rackspace.com slash solve. And I'm going to remind you, the thing that you're not going to find there is a salesperson. Sorry, Todd, you don't get to sell to anybody in that room. That is a place where we are just giving away information. We only have um, knowledge and information for you there. So you will not see pop-ups. You will find short-term, short form articles, you find long form articles, the podcast links are all found there, as well as stuff about our video. So go check that out. Subscribe to the podcast because that would be awesome and it would make me happy. All right. So that is our um, that is our conversation. So let's move on to what's going on in the cloud. And, uh, and that's where, of course, I bring up for you a couple of articles and, that deal with cloud and why they're important to you. And we're going to start with some news from Cisco. Cisco put out a uh, their, their uh, report. They put out a hybrid cloud report every year. It's based on a bunch of studying that they do and, and um, surveying. 
but they describe a hybrid cloud as the new normal. So having a healthy ecosystem of both public cloud and private cloud. Now this report uh, claims, of course, that this is the new normal in that uh, while 47% use two or three public cloud infrastructure environments, they're also using private cloud as well. Now that's substantiated by some research over at 451 Research. Uh, and uh, and so hybrid cloud, are you guys using hybrid cloud? You got some private and public? I actually see almost every customer doing that today. And I talk to a lot of customers. All right, so let's, uh, the next bit of article. Now, the next news, is something that I heard about, started hearing about a couple of three weeks ago. And uh, and so I wanted to bring out an article I found, and that is that Microsoft has clarified. Now, you may have heard that people were saying, hey, it's more expensive to run these Microsoft offerings over in the hyperscales than it is to run it in, in Azure. And, uh, and so there were some complaints in, in, to the European Commission, European Union Commission, and Microsoft came clean. And they, Brad Smith, in a very long blog pod, a blog post said, yes, it is true. It costs more to run this stuff in other environments, but we're going to make some changes, he said in there. So we're going to make it easier to run uh, our, our Microsoft products in other clouds, as well as the Office Suite in other clouds, except for, he even said, except for in the other two hyperscalers. So if you're trying to run Microsoft tooling in AWS or Google, expect to pay more. All right, let's move on. We'll run that button right there. All right, so that takes us on to uh, what's new from the cloud releases and what they brought to us. Now it starts with our friends over at Amazon and Amazon in their uh, Amazon Genomics CLI. Guys, I put some of this stuff up here because I didn't even realize half of the tooling that exists out there. When a companies like this keep putting more and more capability, it's hard to keep up, but that's why we're here. We're here to give you information, but I did not know that they had a genomics command line interface. Now they've added the ability to support uh, a new type of workflow and it is um, the common workflow language or CWL. And that is uh, using the toil workflow engine. And this is just another way to spawn um, resources, workflows when digging into specific genome projects. Who knew they had a specific part of the cloud just for the genome? So go check that out. So that takes us over to uh, to Azure. And I was going to make a joke and say they had a price increase, but I think that was the other news article. So they have a public preview, the ability to use JavaScript and Python in support of Azure SQL bindings. Now, this is for running Azure Functions and connecting Azure Functions into Azure SQL. They're adding new languages here that you can use, being JavaScript and Python. And that's for getting data into these um uh, into the serverless environment or sending data out of as a result of the serverless environment and shooting it back into Azure SQL. So being able to use um, Azure Functions, using these new languages, pulling data in and out of Azure SQL. So if you're an Azure programmer, this should be welcome news to you. And then lastly, we'll go over to Google. Google has some updates. Their Cloud Spanner uh, uh, changed streams to capture and stream out inserts, updates, and deletes in near real time. So if you're using uh, Google Cloud Spanner, uh, you can get a log and uh, output in near real time of effectively everything that's happening inside of that database. An amazing amount of control. You could be using it for quality control, for uh, debugging, uh, for um, uh, making sure the bad guys aren't in there, all sorts of things that you can do, use that for. So good work over at Google. And that 
Now, as I mentioned before, uh, if you go over to Rackspace.com slash solve, you're going to get all sorts of information about Rackspace, but you're not going to get sold to. And here on Cloud Talk Live, I generally don't sell to you at all. I just bring you information, great guests, great conversation, and this other information, except for one thing. I sell one thing, and that is coming to work at Rackspace. And that's what takes us to the Rackspace job of the day. Now, this job is on part of our FinTech, or not FinTech, our FinOps offering. So uh, cloud optimization business consultant is the job that we have available. And a cloud optimization business consultant does this. As this consultant, you'll be comfortable working with data and presenting conclusive, uh, clearly be in it, <laughs> and ease. English is a second language, I guess. I don't know. But being able to take your findings from doing your FinOps work, presenting it to the business unit, and being that catalyst for creating change to make their cloud environment uh, more cost-effective, more efficient, and more resilient. So uh, biz uh, cloud business consultant. If you want to do that, head over to rackspace.com jobs and do a little search for cloud business consultant. And maybe you too can come work with us here at Rackspace. And I hope that you will because we'd love to have you here. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining today. As I mentioned before, you can find all of this information out over at rackspace.com slash solve. Subscribe to the podcast. Always great content going out there. We're recording a new episode today on the VMware Broadcam acquisition. So if you're interested in that, you can. if you subscribe now, you'll be sure to get it later. Now, I would be remiss if I did not bring up my good friends over at App Dynamics. If you are a cloud developer, you're working and managing cloud environments, and you need full stack observability, App Dynamics is the place to go, folks. So head over to appdynamics.com. They are a part of Cisco. They have got great resources, but their, their tooling is amazing. They've got incredible offers to get you started for next to nothing, maybe even nothing. And, uh, and so check those guys out. Well, folks, it has been my pleasure to be with you here again today. We were down in Singapore. We're going to go out with that fun little graphic that, that Megan Fleming created for us uh, and work with a creative team. So have an amazing day, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cloud Talk Live. Now here at CloudTop, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help improve your business and those around you. Now, this was a live event, which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to watch us there and join the conversation live with us. Now, if you haven't already subscribed, I'd encourage you to do so and maybe even give us one of those five-star reviews. These episodes can be found anywhere podcasts are found. Until next time, I'm Jeff DeVerter for Cloud Talk and Cloud Talk Live. <laughs>